Welcome, sit down, have a drink. I have another tale to tell you. Well, as you know, after being the heroes of the Silver Sail, we became detectives in Egelfia. So here we are, my friends and I, in a new job, in a new place, and it wasn't long before we had our first major case. There was a break-in, or so we were told, of a warehouse owned by Al Kemko. We go and do the whole ask questions, pretend we know what we're doing thing, and we don't find much other than broken glass, a narcoleptic security guard, and Alchemco's company slogan of we don't tell you what was stolen because we have more money than the gods. While we're there, we do find reason to suspect that our warehouse waitlayers have made their way into the nearby sewer entrance. Have you ever been in a sewer? No, of course not. You're a reasonable person who doesn't like to wade in filth. Between you and me, I think Dirk may have been born in the sewers, but I'm sadly not a good enough detective to prove it. When we were in the sewers, we encountered some kobolds that were so unhappy to see us that they tried to kill us. They imbibed some sort of drug or chemical and grew to this grotesque, huge, monstrous physique and terrifying visage, uh, and, well, I can't attribute the smell to them, but I bet they smelled rather terribly as well. They wanted to kill us so much, in fact, that we had to kill them to stop it. Having survived the sewer shenanigans, we contacted the precinct to come and collect the cobalt bodies while we searched the rest of the tunnels, but couldn't find a trail. I did, however, find a rather huge alligator, or crocodile, don't know the difference, and it was kind enough to eat me and drown me in sewage at the same time. I was ready to leave the sewers before we even went in, and I swore a solemn oath I would never go in the sewers again. Without much to go on at the scene of the crime, and not much in the way of witnesses or willing witnesses to speak to us, we had to rely on Adam and his cohort of police nerds to examine the cobalt bodies to see what in the hells actually happened to them. Or rather, what did they do to themselves? We didn't know if it was related or not to what we had encountered at the warehouse, but it's not every day that cobalt kind of grows in monstrous size and proportion and tries to kill you, so it didn't hurt to check into it either. Well, let me just tell you, you should never underestimate Adam and his police nerds, as they found out that the kobolds were transformed by a strange and unstable chemical substance. And what a weird coincidence that the warehouse was owned by Alchemco, who was super supportive of our efforts and entirely forthcoming with information. And if Dirk is hiding somewhere nearby, uh, let me just tell you, out loud for Dirk's sake, that that was sarcasm. So Alchemco didn't want to tell us what was missing, but no bother. I have many friends, and one just so happens to work at Alchemco, and she agreed to set up a meeting between us and a scientist at Alchemco. Someone who works on their... I don't know. Chemical stuff. Well, our meeting with Adenol, this Alchemco employee, wasn't till the next day, so we decided to was head back for a night of relaxation. While I was looking forward to relaxing to, after a hard day in the sewers, 
We returned home and found that there was a black pudding in Dirk's bedroom. And of course it tried to, uh, what, uh, dissolve? Absorb? Eat? Do they need to eat? Anyway, it tried to kill Dirk. And the three of us, well, we took exception to that. We dealt with the oozing intruder and once again reminded Dirk the importance of not leaving half-eaten food around. We did meet with Adenol our next day, and during our meeting a woman showed up. Uh, she showed up, monstered out, and tried to kill Adenol. More clues begin to matriculate as this woman shouts before her would-be murder attempt that a Finian sends his regards. Of course, we spring into action and prevent the would-be murder and capture the would-be murderer. Of course, the ruckus alerted the Alchemco goons who show up just in time to not be helpful at all. And just as we're starting to get some answers out of this Adenol person, they whisk her away before we can get any answers out of her. Luckily, we're able to flex some departmental muscle and keep our would-be murderer, Sarah, in our custody. Our boss, Mudbreaker, tells us we need to drop the investigation. You see, Alchemco wield a lot of power in Elgelfia, and it seems that Alchemco doesn't like where our investigation is headed, and that could be dangerous for our careers and life expectancy. I would like to point out that my friend Adam is a rather quiet sort, but when he does take issue to speak on something, it tends to be wise for us to shut up and listen. And Adam explains to Mudbreaker that we are going to do what is right, regardless of Alchemco's displeasure. Whereas I was simply going to say yes, sure, of course, not a problem, we'll drop the whole thing. Simply continue anyway. Well, we come to find out that Alchemco recently stopped a research project where an employee died and those that were still alive and worked on the project were Adenol and Carl. We used my contact to get a touch with Adenol and sent others to check on Carl's residence. Turns out that Carl was murdered. We investigated Carl's abode and, of course, found another trail leading to the sewers. It pains and hurts me to the core to tell you that I couldn't keep that solemn oath I swore to myself, and we ventured back into the sewers. Why is it always the sewer? Of all the places... Oh, never, never mind that. We found the so-called Finian in a makeshift workshop of sorts. In the sewers. Finian tells us that he used to work for Alchemco on the very drugs that have been used to try and kill us the last few days. He then tells us that Alchemco found out that something in his blood stabilizes the drug. You see, something in his blood prevents the worst of the physical change. Changes that eventually lead to the death of the user shortly after they take the drug. As the body can't sustain these changes, it dies. This all fell into what we knew already, as the kobolds, after autopsy, we found that they would have died shortly thereafter if they hadn't tried to kill us. Whereas the 
person Sarah, while she went under many of the same changes, was still alive. And other than some personality problems, was largely going to live out the rest of her days. So what does Alchemco do now that they know this thing can be found in Finian's blood? Well, they do what any large, creepy, evil company does. They fake his death and against his will keep him in the very warehouse that we had previously investigated as a break-in. Or should I say break-out? You see, Alchemco wanted to continue to study Finian's blood to perfect the drug. Well, they very well may have if it wasn't for Sarah. Helped Finian escape, hence the glass we found at the original crime scene. So rather than risk a fight against Finian and whatever surprises he has for us in the sewer, I used magic to make Finian believe that we were friends and surrendered to us so we could help him expose Alchemco. We took Finian to a safe house where we had been keeping Sarah as, with Alchemco's reach, we didn't want anyone in the station to be tempted to tamper with our would-be murder. So there we are, myself, Dirk, Adam, Sarah, the would-be murderer, Finian, the actual murderer, and Mudbreaker, our boss, who was the only person we could really keep in the loop while keeping the loop small. It's around this time that Finian admits to Sarah that he killed Carl. So there we have it, our warehouse mystery solved. The would-be murderer Sarah in custody, the actual murderer Finian also in custody, mystery of the warehouse break-in, or rather break-out, all tied up in a neat little bow. Not too bad for the first major case, right? Well, that's when things tend to blow up in your face. But the thing that blew up in our face wasn't a thing. It was Sarah. Sarah took exception to Finian killing Carl, the way he did, and unable to control her own rage, lasting side effect of the drug, she tried to kill Finian. Naturally, being the stalwart heroes that we are, heroes of the Silver Sail and detectives of Gelfia, we couldn't simply let one criminal murder another, so we stopped Sarah. But unfortunately, it cost her her life. Well, it's not perfect, but still a pretty good solve on the first major case. And that's when Finian blew up. Quite literally. His grief and desperation to never be captured by Alchemco, to ensure the same goes for Sarah's body, he activated something on his person, and the next thing I knew, it was flames and chaos. Building collapsing and seeing someone do that in front of you is. Don't have words to describe it. Not that you don't want. Well, we still solved the case as it were, and we were given a promotion for the feat of heroism and bravery and detective work, blah blah blah. 
unfortunately, that's the closest thing we'll get to a happy ending in this tale. But this unhappy end makes for an unhappy beginning of our next tale. But we'll have to wait until next time. Welcome to Dice Heist, where we roll the dice and see what we can get away with. My name is Aaron. I will be playing your favorite bard, Bertram Dirtstrike. Um, over to you, Nick. Hey, guys. I'm Nick. I'm playing Dirk Vilgoth, our arcane trickster that gets into way too much trouble. Uh, over to you, Adam. Hello again, everybody. <laughs> I'll be playing Adam. My name is Bronson. Uh, Adam is a rogue wizard. Pretty quiet, I guess. That that's an half description, I guess. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Adam. Oh, I mean, Bronson. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, we are starting off our third arc of Dice Heist now. Uh, you guys should have just gotten last week our Lore of the Lands episode, catching you up on what's happened to the guys over that time. And in addition, they got a handful of new items, just swag that they decided to that they decided to pick up 
with their new pay raises from getting promoted. Um, and actually, uh, something that I did not intend when we recorded it, but something that we're definitely going to incorporate right now. Um, so the events that each of them experienced actually happened just before we were about to start. So last night, uh, Bertram ran into the assassin and had that strange encounter where he was then picked up by a driver who took him away, hopefully to safety. Uh, immediately after that happened, uh, we have Adam's little incident in the library where he had a dream of sorts. Uh, and then followed by that about nine o'clock in the morning is when the events of Dirk's little, uh, run-in with an old friend happened. And we're actually going to pick back up right where Dirk just found out this crucial information that could lead them to figure out the issue with Gandon in the city. So, uh, so Dirk, yeah, what, what's your first move as soon as you uh, find out this early in the morning? It's it's your guys' day off. Um, when you left the, the apartment this morning, um, Adam was just getting in. Um, however, Bertram did not come home last night, which uh, is not an unusual occurrence as he stays out late often uh, due to many different things as he's kind of a private person. Okay. Uh, well, after learning about um, this pet shop that deals with oozes, uh, Dirk's going to uh, page both Adam and Bertram about this, this shop and um, that he also heard that they work with, you know, more adult, more dangerous oozes in the back, and that he thinks it's worth for them to check it out, and then he'll kind of wait for at least one of them to respond before making his next move. Yeah, that sounds fair. Uh, so, yeah, you wait for your response. Um, Adam, you're currently sitting at home, um, and you're working on a couple things in your little chemistry setup at the corner of your room. Uh, you're more just trying to experiment with different things and figure out different ways to use your chemicals to benefit you in the field. And you feel a buzz in your pocket from your page. I will open it up and read it. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so you read what uh, Dirk sent you. Um... And, uh, Dirk, did you give them the location of where you're at? I was just about to write that. I was just about to, like, write that into the page. Like, where are you right now? Yeah, Dir Dirk will respond back and just tell him where he's at. I, the Aqua, in front of the Aqua Hotel or wherever that was. Yeah. I believe that's correct. Yeah, you were in front of the Aqua Hotel in the Central District. Yep. The quad motor is currently at home with Adam. Uh, so, Adam, if you'd like, uh, you can take the keys with you. Uh, but, Dirk, you do notice that Bertram is not forthgiving with a response right now. Okay. Um... And it is also something that you've started to notice in the past few weeks. Uh, he hasn't been very forthgiving with responses at all. Uh, he normally, at least on his days off, will not respond before noon at best, even to you guys, which before he would ignore the work, he would ignore everything else, but he would always let you guys know, or at least talk to you guys, but it seems like he's kind of been backing off of uh, keeping closer tabs with you guys lately. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Dirk won't 
really think anything much of it, but he'll try checking back in with him later in the day. Uh, but yeah, he'll uh, coordinate with Adam and uh, see about checking out this ooze shop. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, so you can probably have Adam come pick you up and head on over uh, west towards where you learn the shop was between Westwall and Balbarum. All right, works for me. Yeah, okay. Adam will do exactly that. I'll write OMW in the journal. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> uh, away, take off. Super secret. Yeah, sounds good. Here. And, uh, yeah, you head off. Uh, while that is happening, we're going to catch back up with Bertram. And... Bertram, you find yourself waking up. Uh... And you're laying down on a very soft Davenport that has been pulled out and converted into a bed. Your shirt is missing, and there are bandages wrapped around your body, around the midsection where you were stabbed. When you sit up, you can feel the wound in your stomach, and it's painful, but not unbearable. When you look around the room, you can tell this is obviously a large study with hand-carved woodwork adorning the room. The large desk sits opposite the door, made of a dark wood, polished to near-mirror finish. Behind it, the entire wall is a bookshelf. The edges of the shelves seem to be carved to look like dragons, weaving together along its length. The couch you are sitting on sits to the right side of the room and is a shimmering green color. As you think for a moment, you realize this couch is nearly as comfortable as the bed you had on the silver sail, the most comfortable bed you ever slept in. To the left of the door is a small bar cart with a multitude of unlabeled, ornate crystal decanters and a set of four old-fashioned glasses. What do you do? Um, while I'm looking around, do I see my things? Yes, so as you kind of look around, uh, you can tell that they are set neatly and folded next to you on the floor, uh, and they just were not immediately noticeable uh, when you sat up. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so the first part of waking up was, was nice. A really soft cushion, yep. warm, uh, uh, and I have a shirt on, and then... How much do I remember of last night? Uh, so... Actually, you know what? Why don't you roll a constitution saving throw to see how affected you are by your booze that you were heavily drinking last night? 18. Okay, so um, your head seems like it has a dull ache, but only because you know you need to drink a little bit of water or pour something else down your gullet to stabilize yourself here. It's not a full-on hangover, but it could get worse if you don't do something about it. Um... You do remember fully what happened last night, but it still feels a little bit like a dream or a nightmare, more accurately. Okay, I'm going to uh, grab two things. I'm going to grab my pistol for my things, and then my canteen for my things. I'm going to open my canteen, and then remember I filled it with whiskey just too late. And then... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to close that, and <laughs> uh, if I can just, like, hoist my stuff. One, It's like the worst 
walk of shame ever. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. a walk of scary times now. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. He doesn't know where he is. So he's he's uh, got a pistol in one hand and he's got his uh, his stuff just kind of like slung underneath his arm on the other side. Exactly. And I'm okay. just gonna try to find a way out of here. All right. So uh, yeah, as you're kind of wandering over, you see the door, um, the only one in the room, and you go to turn the handle and it is locked. Damn. Um, that's not good. I guess. And there's no other windows or obvious ways out of here, correct? No, no, there is not currently any obvious ways out of here. Does the door open in or out? Uh, the so door opens, really? uh, hmm, the yeah, door exactly. opens inward, you would guess, based on the hinges. Yep. Okay. Uh. There's some furniture nearby. Bertram's going to try to slide it for the door. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's the, the Davenport that's sitting there that you can slide in front of the door. Yeah, he's going to do that. And uh, freak out a little bit. He's going to look for his page. Uh, so you begin rifling through your stuff, and you cannot find your page amongst your items. Do I remember giving it away last night. <laughs> no, no, you do okay. remember uh, last time you, you had it, you were stuffing it in your jacket pocket on the inside, um, but it would not be the first time that you missed while being drunk and <laughs> dropped it somewhere. It just, I'm just gonna put it, like, stick it inside my coat, it just falls out. Yeah. Underneath the bottle. I mean, everyone's done that with their phones, so it's not that hard to believe. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, well, uh, there's going to be a little bit more of a panic. I'm going to put my armor or my my uh, clothes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to take another look at the things around me to see if I can get a, any clue as to where I am or like who might be coming, who or what might be coming through the door. Of course. Uh, so as you put on your clothes, you notice that the hole um, that was there has been stitched up and the blood stains have been removed um it's almost imperceptible where it was stitched but you can tell when you look at it a little bit closer as you're putting it on and you realize it's not blood stained from last night um you finish getting yourself dressed and as you're doing so you look around the room um and you actually finally notice a little placard that's sitting on there I missed your notice last time and it has manfred durgestride high counselor Okay, uh, now it's full-on panic. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, Bertram will move the furniture away from the door. Okay. And arrange it. Is there... What's the rest? Did you mention a fireplace? Uh, no, there was no fireplace. Okay. Uh, he will arrange it and pretend like he's expecting whoever's going to walk through the door. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you sit there. A different kind of defense. Yeah, you just kind of sit down on the uh, the couch that you have put back up into its upright position. Mm-hmm. And are just kind of like... Pretend to be in total control and knowing of where and what's going on. Yeah, you're kind of like leaning back. You got one leg up on your knee, just kind of like sitting there all smug-like. Um, and as you're waiting, you're like waiting for a few minutes. Don't hear anything. You don't hear anything. And 
your eyes are just kind of like you're just looking at the door waiting for someone to watch in so you can go back into your pose and you keep seeing the the bar cart across uh, on the opposite side of the door and seeing all those those bottles or those uh, crystal decanters just teasing you yeah he was doing his best to ignore it yeah uh, but I think succumbing to his, his stress and stressed boredom I guess is what it would be he would go take a look at those okay yeah so you go take a look at them and they seem unmarked but as you uncork them well. you can you can give a sniff and uh, you can smell that uh, most of them are high-end bourbons Weirdest kidnapping ever been haunted. I'm gonna search search through them and see if I can recognize any. And if I don't, then I'm just gonna grab the one I think uh, okay. would be the nicest. Uh, do me a favor and just make a dex check, please. Or a dexterity saving throw is fine. Either one is. Thirteen. Okay, um, as you're kind of shuffling around, just kind of looking in your desperation, you accidentally knock one of the bottles off of the table. Um, it was only about a quarter full, so not as detrimental as you initially thought, but it does go crashing to the ground, shattering, making a very loud noise. Yeah, I'm just going to rush back to the Davenport and look and control you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and as that happens, you can hear footsteps on the other side of the door, and uh, you you hear a key go into the uh, the lock, and you hear it click as the door swings inward. And the man that you ran into last night peeks into the room, um, seemingly a little hesitant as he does so, and looks around the corner to see you just sitting there kind of all smug. Um on the chair in this this uh, dominating pose, we'll call it, um, and and he's like, Bertram, are you are you all right? How are you feeling? Confused, a bit worried. Who the hell are you? My apologies. I my name is Brazov. I am a servant of your father's. Uh, wait, wait, right here. Can I get you a drink while I fetch your father? Uh, I noticed the cart lacked a bunch of water, so let's let let us start. Of course, I'll I'll send someone for that. Uh, and he closes the door and Fuck. locks it <laughs> as he does so. <laughs> um, and he quickly returns after a short moment um, with a glass of water, and behind him in trail is your father. Well, it's a living nightmare. So, uh, go ahead and make an intimidation check <laughs> with disadvantage <laughs> as you're trying to be intimidating in his office. 13. Okay, so with a 13, um, you feel fairly confident in your in your uh, posture and in your demeanor as he walks in. Um, but what throws you off immediately is just this pure look of actual, genuine concern on his face when he looks at you. Bertram, I'm so glad you're safe. Uh, 
Huh. Right. How are you, how are you feeling? Well, as I told your creepy manservant, confused, worried. I I see. Uh All right. Um so you're worried. What what are you worried about? What's up? Why why am I here? For your safety. Do do you remember what happened last night? Yes, someone tried to stab me and they died for it. Okay. Yep. That that sounds accurate. Okay. They're here for your your safety because there was an assassin hired to kill you and you passed out in pain last night. Well, being stabbed can do that, but I believe I recalled asking to be taken to a hospital. Bertram. Sorry, Father, but I don't quite uh, see any nurses around. No, the... I had my personal doctor come in. He set you right last night, and he said that what was best for you was some bed rest for the medicines to take effect. And that's what we did, and left you here in a safe place, the most enclosed room in my offices, so you could rest in safety without us having to worry about you. Brazov has been standing uh, just down the hall from this door, protecting the door, since he picked you up last night. Where, where exactly are we? This is your place, I assume, unless someone else let you put your name all over it. This is this is my office. Uh, it's where I conduct my business. This here is my personal office. Uh, I do occasionally sleep on that very couch when it is quite busy. <clears throat> Well, uh, thank you for the tending to, I suppose. Yes. Uh, am I free to go? I, I noticed that the door seems to have a pesky way of locking itself. My apologies. That was, again, for your safety. I'm, I'm sorry if you felt trapped. Razov, please, please just leave the door open for us. Hey, you are welcome to leave, but... I'd like to talk to you first. Well, then speak. First off, I'd like to personally apologize for the way I acted that night about three weeks ago. Um. I was not quite myself at the time. Then who were you that time? <sighs> That's a much more complicated answer, but I'd like to help explain that to you. So, I, I know the manner in which you defeated your attacker last night. That makes one of us. I think they just began to melt from the horror of attacking someone so handsome. Hmm. And that explains the green vapors that escaped your lips. Were you there? No. I just assumed based on what happened. I've seen it before with others. And he, he, he kind of has a slight smile, just kind of like knowingly as he says that. Bertram, our family has a bit of a secret. 
So, obviously, you know the dragons. They're they're gone from this world, right? I know of them, sure. Yes. Everyone, everyone does. They, they're myths, nearly, at this point, right? Well, at least when it comes to the chromatic dragons, it's thanks to a secret organization. Why Why are they secrets, and what, why do they care about dragons? And who are they, and how do you know of them? And why did you take your death and let lead me to believe that you were dead this whole time? I have millions of questions, and at this rate, I'm going to die of old age before you answer any. That's completely fair. First, why don't we start with my death in Vago. Uh, before we get to that, we're going to jump back to the other guys. <laughs> uh, Dirk and Adam. Uh, still no word yet from Bertram. Yeah, so uh, you guys finally met back up, got in your quad motor, and are currently driving towards the border of Westwall and Balbarum. Um, and your route takes you through Westwall. Uh, in this district, as you're driving through, you can hear the bells down by the docks calling out to all that a catch has just come in. As you head further north down the street, the buildings seem to gradually be less interesting, as if the further you go, the less care was taken when it came to looks. Still functional, but less color, less shape. You know that you are getting close to the Balbarum district, and from what you heard, it is the poorest district of the city, a place that some cops would rather turn in their badge than be moved to, to serve for even a short period of time. Even so, the strangest thing you realize is that the streets are still clean and free of debris. In Vago, even in the richest areas, there was always litter on the streets. Random trash, rotten fruit, dead animals, just everywhere. But here, all those things begin being left on the street is lost income for the waste processing plant to the northwest corner of this district. You slow the quad motor as you approach the Balbarum, as you approach Balbarum Street, the street that runs along the border of Westwall and Balbarum. As you turn, you remember reading somewhere, Adam, it was named after some dragonborn lord given, cha given charge of the district, but you reckon that he wouldn't mind if they decided to change the name after finding out what it turned into. As you are finally here, you instinctively begin to pay close attention to your surroundings. Uh, you know of the gangs that rule this area. After a short, slow drive past a bimotor that looks like it has more rust than not, you see the shop you heard about on the street. A green neon sign that reads Elmok's Friendly Oozes can be seen above the shop's entrance. After parking the quad motor, do you want to uh, go into the shop immediately? I want to make sure no one has their eye on us, like they suspect that we're, like, cops or suspect that we're... Yeah. Yeah, so you pull up your quad motor, um, and you're kind of doing a quick once-over before uh, heading in. Um, your clothing does not make you look at all like you're a police officer in any way, um, but uh, you don't really see a lot of activity on the streets, which is not uncommon, as it's still early, at least, for this district. 
Uh, the only people that you have seen passing by are those that seem to be dressed for work, uh, making their way down towards the many factories in the city. Okay. No gang members, though, spotted. No, you do not see any as you're passing by. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm going in. Uh, yeah, you just assume gonna... that it might be too early in the day. Uh, sorry, what was that, Nick? Uh, I was just going to have Dirk, uh, before we head in, uh, to summon Zed, like, at the top of the building and just do a fly around, uh, just, like, to the back and everything, and just uh, Dirk would look through his eyes to see if there's anything, like, of note, or if it's just... Uh, okay yeah so normal. you take a look around um the building seems a little bit longer than what you see inside um it's almost as if the showroom that you can see uh from the front of the building is only about a third of the entire size of the building okay. um but there doesn't seem to be anything suspicious behind it or on top of it or anything around it really are you going to leave uh zed in that area towards the rear of the building um yeah, I'll I'll leave I'll leave Zed out there uh, towards the rear. Is there an exit uh, out the back that Zed? Yes. Can find? Okay. Yeah, it looks like there's some some uh, there's a small dumpster back here, and a couple other buildings have uh, doors that head out to this way, um, but it looks like it only opens from the inside. Okay. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll station Zed there, and I'll have him uh, give me a ping if. Uh, anyone exits that door sounds good okay yeah he will stay on alert back there and alert you of anything suspicious going on um so you enter into the shop uh the first thing you see is the display on the floor in the center of the small room uh four glass open top tanks sit uh connected to each other creating a small circle each has a small ooze inside. Uh, the first, a clear cube, about one foot cubed. Uh, the next, an all-too-familiar black blob, sits at the center, lifting pieces of le- lettuce out of a bowl and dropping it in the center of its mass as it dissolves into it. The next, a slithering ooze, uh, slowly moving in a figure-eight motion, Uh, Then it moves into the shape of a heart, and it seems to just be circling and creating odd shapes on the ground as this gray strand uh, slithers about. The last is sitting in a maze with with mesh doors and small openings that look as small as a small insect. Um, And as you look at it, it's moving through these obstacles, uh, oozing through the mesh and all of that as it comes to a cockroach before... Uh, dissolving it into itself. Uh, what, after what seeing, color is that one? Uh, that one is orange. Orange, okay. Yep. Uh, after this eye-catching display, you notice the cobalt security guard who stands about three and a half feet tall uh, standing in front of the counter. Um, he shouts to the back, Hey, boss, uh, there's some customers here. Uh, before the shopkeeper can emerge... You take a look around the room and see many vials lining the walls and shelves, each with a small ooze inside. Uh, You can tell that the colors change from black to clear to gray and orange. And there's even a few that are a greenish color, but you don't recognize its counterpart here in the central display. Hmm. Okay. 
Isn't this some good quality music? This is Skirmish Epic, Deadly Contest, by Raphael Hofstetter, from BattleBards.com. That's where we get all our background music and sound effects for the show. What is BattleBards? BattleBards is the most premium audio library ever created for the tabletop gaming experience, along with tools built specifically to use the audio seamlessly in-game. Tailor-made background music inspired by fantasy races and locations, voiceover scripts written to bring life to everyday NPC interactions, and a colossal array of bone-crushing, spell-blasting sound effects. This is BattleBards. If you're looking to get the best value out of BattleBards.com, I would recommend giving BattleBards Prime subscription a try. With this monthly subscription, you can enjoy streaming access to all BattleBards content, access to all BattleBards tools, including their soundboard and mixer, the ability to upload and mix your own private audio library, and 20% off all purchases of sounds you wish to permanently add to your collection. I think this is enough for me. Go check it out for yourself and see what they have to offer. Now, let's get back to Dice List. Uh, you see a gray, light gray-skinned dragonborn man come out, and the first thing you notice is that there are many spots on his face and on his skin that seem as if they have been melted away by acid or other things like that over the years. Uh, he is missing his entire left arm, which has been replaced by a mechanical version of it. Uh, and he walks up to the counter and looks up at you guys. Welcome. Can can I help you around? Can I show you uh, anything? Do you have any questions? What, what can I do for you guys today? Well, uh, I just uh, ran into one of your uh, more recent customers on the street. Uh, they had a uh, little uh, black pudding. Uh, I was... Uh, we were just uh, inquiring uh, about your business here. Uh, what... What all uh, types of puddings you deal with? Maybe, maybe larger ones. <laughs> so, so he smiles and uh, he's like, "Well, I uh, I don't just deal with puddings. All sorts of oozes are welcome here." Uh, and he he walks around the counter and motions towards the central display. Uh, I, I don't I'm sure these have caught your eye here, but uh, this one right here, as he points to the first one, you notice this is uh, called the gelatinous cube. Uh, we've condensed it down uh, in the wild they can grow to be six feet wide and six feet tall just these giant creatures that will eat everything and anything in their path well I've done some modification to the original genetics of them and as you can see and he he reaches down and pokes his finger directly into it the finger of his right hand you'll note uh, and pulls it out, and it is completely clean. And it does not look like it was burned at all in any way, shape, or form when he does so. As you can see, they've been changed to not affect uh, human matter. But 
However, uh, dead skin cells and uh, scales like myself uh, that I have um, are easily picked up. And he, he takes a, uh, a vial out of the front of an apron he's wearing and it just looks like it's dust and other particles like that. And he, he sprinkles it onto the floor of the little display case and it, it moves towards it and just soaks it up and those particles dissolve into it, turning to that clear color of its body. Uh, mm-hmm. He corks it and puts it away and he's like, see, they, they become efficient pets, things that can help us around the house, use it to keep your apartments clean, and also they're nice to talk to as they are living creatures. Not quite as smart as house cats, but they might do a better job than you have a even a mouser house cat do. I find it interesting that uh, such a small thing can uh, consume so much without growing any larger. Yes, uh, that's actually one of the most difficult things I dealt with. Um, in fact, it does grow larger. Not quickly, but it is mandatory if you were to purchase one of these from me uh, that you bring it back or go to another reputable breeder, um, as he chuckles to himself at that one, um, to have them remove a small portion of it uh, to ensure that it does not get too large. Just similar to how you would take in your uh, dog for grooming so that their nails do not get too long and they do not break off hurting the animal. Makes enough sense. Adam, you've been rather quiet. Do you have any questions for the man? No, I don't think so. Um, so the customer that I ran into, he said that you deal with uh, larger oozes as well. Is yes, that is that is totally correct. Yes. Um, could could you tell us any more about those? Well, uh, yes, I do deal with them. Um, as technically, all of these things that you see before you are each pieces of those larger creatures that, in the wild, are known to be quite deadly. After splitting them up, I I do uh, take great care to adjust their chemical makeup and adjust their eating habits and make them more docile things like that okay uh dirk dirk is gonna um hold his hands uh kind of behind his back and and as subtly as he can uh do the somatic components to cast message to adam and Mm -hmm to ask Adam if he thinks it's a good idea that we show him our, our badges and take a closer look at his operation. And then Adam, because of message, you can respond uh, via the same sort of telepathic communication. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Fair>. God. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Dirk will uh, continue, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, if one of those things got out, they could uh, they could do some pretty serious damage, huh? Or if they were well sold into the wrong person's hands, potentially. I I would never dream of selling one, uh, but I do have a permit to specifically 
keep these things under lock and key, and I do it quite well, thank you very much. Ah, I see. So they're more of your uh, personal pets, or are you... No. No, no. These are uh, beasts to be tamed. Similar to how a stallion is broken to be ridden. So if they're not for sale, then why have them in captivity? Why break them? Because it is this method that I explained uh, where I divide the creatures and make them into my supply here in the store. Oh, I, I think I understand now. They are, they are the source where you take correct, your correct. originals from. Okay. I, yeah. I have roughly two to five of each of the creatures you see before me in the back. Um, just out of uh, curiosity, have you had any issues with any of your larger ones lately? Uh, he looks down at his arm. No, not lately. Uh, this, <laughs> this was an accident from my earlier years before I even opened the shop. Uh, but yes, accidents happen. Uh, burns, just as cooks deal with burns on their arms all the time, I deal with acid burns all the time. It's not uncommon, at least. Okay. Uh, Dirk would like to use his, um, his thieves can't to try to uh, portray a message to this man that he is, you know, into it with the more or the less legal uh, forms of interactions and that he is interested in purchasing one to see if he kind of catches along or if it just goes over his head. Sure, yeah, you're having a brief conversation um, about what the next news is. And you, you talk about, you know, like, ooh, I saw this one. This was the one that uh, the guy you ran into had. And he was talking about all of these different benefits. And you work in that sly communication to him via that short conversation. And uh, he seems to completely ignore whatever message you were trying to give him via the uh, thieves can't and just continue rant, uh, talking about how, yes, that's exactly what they're designed for. They, um, they, they eat waste materials such as plant food and uh, uh, even even bones from animals if you need them to devour that uh, just to keep your trash usage down, you know. Interesting. Well, uh, Adam, uh, any anything else uh, that what is, you'd like to know? What has the other guy been doing this whole time while Dirk and... The uh, Dragonborn owner have been talking. Yeah, so the uh, Cobalt security guard has just been kind of sitting by the uh, counter. Um, he gets up a couple times and just kind of like wanders around the store, taking a look out the front door. And uh, yeah, he's he's pretty quiet. Um, he's drinking out of a small mug. Um, do you uh, speak Draconic or yeah. read Draconic? Okay, um, so on his mug, uh, in Draconic, you, you read number one dad on it. <laughs> as he's wandering around, just sipping at his coffee, um, just kind of looking around. All right. Adam doesn't have anything. Yeah, doesn't have anything else. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for showing us around. Uh, we will take into consideration what we've learned here. We're your uh, 
we were thinking about perhaps purchasing a news at some point, but we, we really need to uh, weigh our options before we uh, make any commitments. Well, in that case, then you definitely have to see our best option here. It's a little bit more pricey than the other ones, but I, I think... I think this one's my greatest achievement, as he's kind of smiling to himself. Um, and he, he motions, he's like, here, boy, come on. You, you can you come out now, come on. And the, the back door was left slightly open. And you hear the jingling of a bell as a cat hops up onto the counter and sits down. Ah... I see we're a pussycat now. And he walks over and gives it a gentle pet. Are we feeling in a ostentatious mood today? <laughs> uh, and he says, hmm. Oh, maybe, maybe we should be careful. There's some danger around. You need to protect yourself. And he, he goes to uh, swing his hand down towards it. And... Before your eyes, you watch this creature turn almost a greenish slime color as it morphs to the size of a, to the shape of a box turtle as he slams his hand onto the shell. And the, this, this creature is now a turtle with its head and arms and legs just tucked inside its body. <laughs> oh, I was only kidding. It's okay. And again, now you watch it kind of change a little bit, and it morphs into a hedgehog that's curled up into a little ball and then slowly unfurls a little bit as it morphs completely back to its cat form as wow. it con he continues petting it. Wow, that's uh, that's quite the creature you've got there. Looks like Thank it's you. the best option for somebody who can't decide what kind of pet they want. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and this is why I wanted to pull this out here before you left, so that maybe you would make that choice now. It's, it's a pricier option, but it's also the most intelligent option. And if you're looking for companionship, look no further than the docile Oblex. Oblex. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Like the name. And, yes. Well, uh, like I said, there's other factors we need to consider before we uh, make any commitments. But we we very well may come back. And uh, yeah, thank you for showing us showing us around your store. And uh, uh, hopefully, we see you again soon. As you are saying that, you hear the nagging voice in the back of your head of Zed as you pick up uh, images expressed to you of a small figure chucking something towards the door of the back. And you begin hearing these this loud noise coming from the back that sounds like an explosion. Oh, shit. And we're going to find out what happens after we switch back to Bertram. <laughs> oh, all right. So uh, we're going to jump back over to Bertram with his discussion with his father. Your father looks kind of sullen um, as you demand to know what 
why he faked his death. Son, I... So, the, the truth is, technically I didn't fake the death in Vago. If that makes any sense at all. Then how do you stand here, apparently alive? Because I've been living here for the last ten years, in Agelfia. It's, it's, I know, it's confusing. I, first off, I want you to know, I did this to protect you because it was not safe here when I moved. The man you knew to be your father was a homunculus, controlled by me the entire time, or at least for the last ten years. He was attacked and destroyed a couple months ago, as you know. Bertram doesn't know what to say to that. Yeah, uh, so you just sit there kind of awestruck by that. He's, he's just going to wait for his whoever this is keep talking so all right i am your father and the reason that i know this to be true is because that ability you discovered last night is something that's been passed down for generations by our family my father had a similar ability and i myself have a similar ability not quite exactly the same it is referred to us as the blood of the dragon. I have the blood of the blue dragon. And he he pulls his sleeve, and you remember seeing a blue mark on his wrist a while ago, when, when you first met him in Agelfia. And you now see a symbol of a dragon, small, with wings, just entirely blue on his wrist. Bertram's gonna look at his wrist. Yeah, you, you see no dragon on your son. He, uh, it's, it's only a tattoo. No, it's, it does not appear upon your skin. It is just a signifier between other members for them to show that they are one of us. And uh, he, he motions to Brazoff Brazov, show him. And Brazov uh, unbuttons the uh, middle buttons of his chest, and directly on his sternum you can see a very similar symbol, but this one with white on it instead of blue. And so Brazov here is also a member of the society. We, ten years ago, I was sent from Vago by the organization to establish a chapter here and to build a network that allows us to operate within the city. However, due to the nature of our abilities being a little suspicious, we did not feel it was appropriate to alert the actual authorities of our existence, and we worried that the, them being alerted would be dangerous and catastrophic to us individually. I wanted to bring you with me. 
I wanted you to have a better life, but it it wasn't safe. It wasn't really safe until about a year ago. And after that, I was afraid you would not forgive me for lying to you for nine years. And I'm still afraid you won't forgive me now. So, who who then raised me? It, was it you or, or this puppet? Yes. This, this puppet was directly controlled by me. I could perceive its every every move when I slept it slept when I was about doing business here I had it about doing business there I I did my best to try and make sure I could still be there for you and be your father best way you could have been there is to have been there if only that was an option. What does this this organization do? Why why be organized? To what end? So, to understand that, you must understand the organization's founding. This organization helped to remove the chromatic dragons from the world, and I think in turn remove the metallic dragonborns, just purely due to balance. But the chromatic dragonborns were defeated by us, by removing their power, using powerful magic. This magic, however, could not contain the power of the dragons. And instead, it was split amongst its initial 13 members. All humans. All cursed to hold on to this power and keep it safe from those that would wish it to be given back. You, my son, and myself have... are a part of that society whether we want to or not. The dragon's blood flows through our veins. However, there are times when it will harm us, when it will try and fight back. It was on one of those such days that I chose to go and meet you. And I did not realize it at the time, but it makes one cold and calculating like a dragon. Or at least what we've heard of them. Useful in business dealings, but not in matters of the heart. So there's a group of magically viewed humans that have a secret organization to, to what? Play cards on Thursday? <laughs> no. To prevent the forces of the dragons from ever returning. There are other ways that Gooksies has attempted to bring back the dragons. And, and what is that word? Is that a person? It's a god, Bertram. 
the god of dragons. The god of evil dragons, at least. The obsidian dragon themselves. Oh, that one. Yes. So... Oh, shit! Yes. That is... Why... <clears throat> so what now? Uh, just keep an eye out for... Scaly... Ne'er-do-wells? I... No, no. No, you will not have... <laughs> no. It's much more complex than that. Uh, our concerns are widespread. Our main concern when we branched off to here in Agelfia, or why I was sent here, away from you, was to establish some sort of foothold here within the government and allow us to view on their inner dealings, to ensure that no one tried to manipulate them into creating or bringing back these dragons. It's it's always been a fear of ours because they were once puppets of the dragons and they could be made such again. But we've always failed when it came to infiltrating, but ever since the Gnome Alliance, the number of outside races taking influence in the city has risen. So ten years ago we decided that it was best that someone start that, and I already had a decent, established shipping company. <laughs> so, our store, that had knickknacks and trinkets, made you the perfect person to establish a secret foothold in the world's largest city. Bertram, you know... You can't think that that wasn't on a front. It was always a front. Yes, I'm coming to see much of my childhood wasn't what it was. I see. Well. It's less it wasn't what it was, and more that you couldn't know. Because there was a chance you never developed these abilities. And if you never developed these abilities, it was better that you were never part of the organization. That you never had to deal with its burdens. Like myself. Like having a child and having to leave them. So secrets were necessary. What do I have to keep an eye out for? Am I going to grow scales? No, you're not going to grow scales. You can see on me, I've had these abilities for a few decades and did not grow scales. Your grandfather never developed scales himself. He did go mad with it at one point, but it was an old age. Oh, so just, just madness. That's... It's not. It's not inevitable, Bertram. Many members live their entire lives near to a century and never have this madness fully overtake them. Just sparse days here and there when it's a little too much for them. Most don't develop it, though, for five, ten. Some don't even ever develop it at all. Look... 
what's what's really important here, Bertram, is that you now have these abilities. And I, I think you should come and join me when I'm at a meeting with the rest of the organization. I, I would like for you to join us in an official manner. It is against the code of the organization to allow a child of us who has developed these abilities to not at least join for a period of time. But if that's what you wish, I will do my best to keep what you've discovered secret from them. But the networks are getting larger in the city. They could find out on their own. I I feel like your position with the department is something that could be very useful to the organization. Something that could give you true purpose here in the city. <laughs> I've found purpose. I'll, I'll, I'll go to your meeting. Fine. Just let me know when. Just... You know... I thought the worst day of my life was the day that you died. And... Right now, it was the day I found out you were still alive. I'm sure you know how to come. Bertram, wait. I... I can take you there now. Where? The, the meat? It's mm. happening... Of course it is. Fine. I've done it's more important on things on a hangover. There's a few Kimo Kiri members available right now. They keep themselves available at all times. So we can go there and discuss. You can talk with my superiors. And see maybe it from a different point of view not from someone who has hurt you as I have and we will leave it right there Uh, so we skip back over to the other guys as there was a loud explosion coming from the back as a small creature chucked something over there. And the security guard immediately sets his cup of coffee down and uh, rushes through the back room towards that area to check out the loud noise. Um, yeah, Adam's, Adam's like vaulting over the counter... Okay. Behind yeah. him, I suppose, and we we'll yeah. just follow him in. But not draw any weapons or anything. Doesn't want to 
He definitely doesn't want to give the impression that, like, this is the distraction and now we're fucking robbing you kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> wait, where, where are you going? As as the comes from the shop owner as you leap over the counter. And uh, he's like, Dirk, Dirk, no, no, don't go back there. Dirk reaches out and flashes his badge. We're here to help. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. Um, Yeah. And, and he follows uh, suit. <laughs> And as Dirk holds off for a moment before he he leaps over the counter after showing off his badge, uh, you can notice a rumbling coming from the front of the building as the other two have darted nearly to the back of the back room now. Um, And in this back room, there are extremely large tanks with these oozes inside of them. And you can see this... Uh, electrical field outside of the tanks um, as well uh, keeping them hopefully docile you hope as you charge through to the back door Um, and and the back door seems dented inwards but as other than that it does not really seem like it's been busted in entirely Uh, and down the front you see these what seem to be mangled and patched together quad motors and bimotors into this these tank-like creations. Um, and atop them is a handful of kobolds each uh, as they drive these monstrosities down the street towards you. Uh, and the one in the front one shouts into the shop as you are standing there just kind of taking in this view for a second uh, as you begin to get ready to vault towards the back and he shouts should have fucking paid for our protection asshole as uh, these vials are chucked into the building filled with oil and a light as the building is just being Molotov cocktailed from outside And when we get back, next time, we're going to roll for initiative. Oh, fuck. All right. right, So we're going to end the episode right there. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Dice Heist. We're jumping right back into it with a little bit of action right off the bat and some serious emotional trauma dealing with Bertram. All right. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Dice Heist. Next episode will be released on Sunday, August 15th. I want to give a special thanks to Nick for letting us use his song, Something For Now, for both our intro and outro. I'd like to also thank my wife, Erica, for her support and her wonderful work on our show notes and additional help writing our flavor text for the show. I'd like to thank BattleBards.com for their help improving our show with their immense library of sound effects, music, and background. 
check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash diceheist, where you can help support the show and gain access to some bonus content like our after show, where we chat about things that have happened on the show and you get a little bit more background into stuff that maybe you might not have realized just from listening to our show. Uh, also, we have our one-shot onslaught series in there right now. Uh, it is a four-hour bonus series where we play a completely different game, and it's actually almost an entire different group of people. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Hopefully, you guys will enjoy that. But that's the first bit, and more content will be released every month uh, as time goes by. So keep your eye out, and hopefully we will see more names pop up in our Patreon so that we can start improving the entirety of the show with that financial support. So, uh, Speaking of that, I want to thank our newest members of Patreon, Nick Dottilio. Thank you, Nick, very much for joining us. Uh, Christopher S., thank you so much, Chris. And Nick Coker. Thank you, Nick Coker, for joining us uh, and helping us on the Patreon. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Dice underscore Heist and on Facebook at Dice Heist Podcast. Feel free to reach out to us there or send us an email at DiceHeistPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of Dice Heist.